All right, and a good afternoon, everybody. This is Ready to Paul Sports, the student voice of the Blue Demons, and you are listening to 90 Minutes in Football Live. It is Friday, June 3rd, 2016. My name is Juan Pimiento, and I'm joined, as I am every week, by Mr. Owait. Neither of them actually made it to the show today. Uh, Ryan and Zach are both uh, preparing to graduate. Uh, they're getting their degrees next week, uh, right after... Our show. Uh, I know Ryan has a lot of uh, things to tend to before graduation. Zach has some uh, personal matters to to get to this weekend, so uh, I'll be battling it out by myself. Uh, so uh, today is going to be a, a, a shorter version of the show. We're only going to go an hour, so we're going this week from three to four o'clock. Uh, but it's it's crazy to think that uh, now both uh, my colleagues here are. They're going to be done with school. Uh, Zach getting his master's degree from DePaul. Ryan getting his undergrad. And um, then that means also that uh, after uh, next week's show, uh, we might have some big changes coming to 90 Minutes of Football. As you all know, you uh, listen to the show live every Friday on Radio DePaul Sports, RadioDePaulSports.com, the iTunes, the iHeartRadio app, and Stitcher Radio. Uh, but uh, it... We're still trying to figure out uh, if we are staying on the airwaves of Radio DePaul. Uh, we do have our podcast that drops right after the show every Friday night, which uh, you can listen to, subscribe, and leave us a comment on iTunes, on Stitcher, and pretty soon on Google Play. Uh, so we are going to continue the show after next week, which is the final week here in the academic calendar at DePaul University. We will continue the show on the podcast form. Uh, we're not going to abandon the show completely. Uh, we love doing this show 
We love we love doing it for all of you who listen to us every Friday. Uh, so stay tuned for that. We're gonna have a, a potentially an announcement regarding the the future of 90 minutes in football uh, next week. Um, I know Ryan will not be here next week either. Uh, Zach will be with me, and uh, we may have a surprise guest. I'm still trying to work on it. In the meantime, I we're still gonna bring you the show uh, this week. Like I said, only an hour, uh, a little shorter version, but we do. I will cover everything that we have to cover this week. We have uh, a myriad of news to talk about. Uh, Champions League. We have a new champ- uh, Champions League king, as it, you might have, uh, have watched the game last weekend. Uh, I also have uh, the uh, final preview for the Euro 2016, which starts today, next uh, next week on the 10th. And we have Copa America. Copa America starts this week as well. As a matter of fact, tonight with uh, the first game, the inaugural game out in Santa Clara. Uh, so we're gonna talk. I'm gonna talk about all of those and much more. Um, but let's get right to the news because we have uh, quite some important news this week as it came to the rules of the game. Uh, if you may remember or not, uh, the International Football Association Board, which is the uh, the FIFA body that determines and examines the loss of the game had announced back in May uh, a a series of changes, 95 different rule changes as a matter of fact and those changes actually started to officially take effect on Wednesday Uh, so starting this week we have uh, several changes to the rules of football among those uh, changes that uh, I'm going to highlight because I'm not going to name all 95 because I mean, we'll be here literally all day as we name every single detail, but I'm going to highlight a few of them. Uh, For example, uh, the new change is that uh, there's no more starting and stopping in the the run-up to kick a penalty kick. So if a player is running towards the ball to execute a penalty kick, there's going to be no more of that stopping to see where the goalkeeper moves. Now that's actually going to be punishable with a yellow card. Uh, even in uh, w- whether it's a, it's a penalty kick during the course of the game or a penalty kick during uh, a post-game shootout. Uh, also, uh, the, uh, the referee is no longer obligated to give straight red cards on handballs and fouls in the penalty box. Now, this is important because many many a game changes because of this, of this uh, rule that was in place. Now, it's going to soften up a little bit. Now, the referee can judge based on intentionality whether to give yellow card, red card, or no card at all. It's now going to be at the discretion of the referee. Uh, it is no longer a requirement, like I said, to just give a straight red card on handballs and on fouls uh, because, you know, intentionality is something that it's, uh, it, it's, it's hard to judge. I mean, it's up to every single referee to determine in a split second what constitutes an intentional handball and a foul in the penalty area. So now at least it's not going to be uh, the be-all end-all uh, when, uh, when a foul is committed this way for a player to be sent off and affect uh, greatly the course of the game for the offending team. Uh, another uh, change going to be in the rules is that uh, the speaking of the red cards, the referee can now actually hand out red cards before kickoff. We know that referees are allowed to show a red card to a player after the final whistle is blown. I uh, personally, I remember 
a, a case. Uh, speaking of Copa America, last year's Copa America in Chile, uh, Colombia was playing uh, against Brazil, a high intensity game, tensions running high, and uh, after the match, Colombia won uh, one nothing. Uh, Neymar uh, went to confront, I, I believe, it was uh, Carlos Baca after the game, and he actually ended up pushing him to the ground, uh, and the referee gave him a, a red card, right? Even after the the game was over, and um, that's what led to that that suspension that Neymar received that got him completely out of the remainder of the Copa America and saw him actually miss a few games at the beginning of, co of the qualifying campaign for Russia 2018. Uh, so it's important because now referees can actually hand out red cards before the match. Now, the uh, the team that receives the red card can still field 11 players. So it's not like a team is going to start out with just um, with only 10 players. But now you're allowed, you, 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 you will be allowed to replace the player that was sent off, but obviously you're going to miss out on uh, a starter who was sent off because of uh, bad behavior before the game. Also for kickoffs, kickoffs usually, as we know, you have to move the, b the ball forward. How many times playing in, you know, in high school and college, you try to play ball backwards and the referee stops everything, you have to start over again? Not anymore. You can uh, play the ball backwards or sideways. You're no longer required to specifically play the ball forward at kickoff. Uh, and the, uh, also another one, uh, you're it's no longer allowed if you're an attacking team uh, to place your players in the opposing team's wall during free kicks. It's a strategy widely used. You know, when, when you're trying to shield the view of the goalkeeper, you put a couple of players uh, in between or around the wall as you're try trying to execute a free kick. Uh, you're not allowed to do that anymore. Um, and you can receive a card. Uh, so it's, it's going to be now the wall, strictly defenders, and uh, it's kind of a shame because, you know, one of my uh, kind of my favorite uh, free kick strategies is that uh, the free kick where you have two players kind of blocking the view of either of the goalkeeper or the wall. And as the player is running up to kick the ball, they split apart and in comes the shot. Uh, but that's no longer allowed. Like I said, uh, one last thing about the rules is that uh, yesterday would have been Thursday. Uh, FIFA announced that they will start expert. Ex I'm sorry, experimenting with video replay in certain league and, co and cup competitions uh, in the upcoming year, including, now it's a pretty uh, interesting list, competitions in Brazil, Portugal, the Netherlands, the A-League in Australia, Major League Soccer, and the Bundesliga. There will be experiments with using video replay. A referee will be designated to look at the video replay in certain instances, not everything. The very specific instances, which are in situations of goals, penalty decisions, straight red cards, and mistakes in when you give a red card or a yellow card and you made a mistake, uh, you, you gave it to the wrong player, that's reviewable now. So what's going to happen is that a, a video replay official, which is going to be added to the, uh, the team of referees and officials, will be uh, the one in charge of looking at the replay and letting the referee know uh, either way, whether the decision stands or not. So FIFA, it's uh, continuing experimenting with, with technology. We know that uh, we have the, 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 the eagle eye the, that uh, we've seen now in, in competitions in, in Europe and, and in several leagues. Uh, that's, it's turned out very, very useful. Uh, it's a matter of getting calls right. And, you know, the, the human error is something that, that can be avoided. It doesn't mean eliminating referees. 
And the referees, obviously, you know, they're the authority and they have, you know, they, they, they make all the calls. But it, we, if we can avoid controversial situations that change the course of a game, of a tournament, uh, of a team's performance, uh, we need to do whatever it takes. Um, and the, the conundrum here is how do you do that without affecting the, the, the pace of game? Because obviously uh, soccer or football is a, is a game that flows freely. You don't have any pauses except for halftime. You don't want to affect that. That's I think that's one of the beauties of the game is that the fact that it continues, it doesn't stop. So definitely in favor of, of FIFA experimenting with a video replay. We'll see how it goes and hopefully something will be implemented of the sorts so that we can we don't have any more controversies like uh, the famous um, or infamous I should say uh, Frank Lampard goal in South Africa against Germany. Uh, but moving on, speaking of FIFA. Gianni Infantino's in hot water already. Uh, Tim Rohn, a uh, a reporter from a German publication, Welt, reported earlier this morning that FIFA president Gianni Infantino could be facing a suspension, perhaps very soon. Uh, leaked emails show that Infantino asked to have audio recordings from May, a May 23rd meeting deleted. No formal procedure has been announced yet by FIFA, but the deletion of those emails constitutes a violation. Uh, of uh, FIFA policy. I mean, Infantino's been on the job for three months and he came in talking a big game about, you know, eradicating the the reputation of corruption uh, and changing the game for the good and making FIFA a transparent, honest organization after all the scandal and the corruption that happened during the presidency of Seb Blatter and before. It, it was kind of uh, interesting too, the fact that it was a year ago this week that Seb Blatter resigned. I can't believe it's been already a year and we have a new president. Uh, but what does it say now about Infantino? And it's, it's not the first thing that actually came against Infantino. Let's not forget that uh, Dominic Scala, who was the, the audit chairman for FIFA, had a big blow off with Infantino. <clears throat> Excuse me. They had a conflict over uh, things, you know, thoughts of, of corruption in FIFA and he ended up leaving. So Infantino's been already in conflict. He's been in hot water. And again, we're not even three months into his presidency. And now is not, you know, this is not of the level of the things that we've seen with his predecessors, with the corruption, the money scandal. But just the fact that there's something here, a rule violation that it's happening by Infantino himself, you gotta put in the question. You know, all the big talk he had at the election and leading up to it about cleaning up uh, FIFA's mess. The fear was that Infantino was just a continuation. He was kind of endorsed by Seb Blatter, by Michel Platini. What does it say about Infantino? We'll stay tuned, but I mean, this is something that's going to start chipping away at his credibility. Um, Another legal news. Let's move now to uh, the Leo Messi stuff. He uh, had a hearing this week on Thursday, yesterday specifically, with his father in Barcelona uh, in the latest uh, hearing in his uh, tax fraud trial in Spain. He took to the stand and he basically argued that he he knew nothing about the contracts that were signed and the money, the way the the, the way the money was being handled specifically with uh, it comes to evading taxes. Uh, now, uh, interestingly enough, Messi only 
allowed he he only answered questions of the judge. He didn't answer any questions from the prosecution. Uh, but he he says he didn't know. Um, let's remember it's we're talking about five about four million euros that ha were not paid in taxes by Messi and his father. It's hard it, it's hard for me to believe for Messi to uh, completely be ignorant to all the contracts and the and his money being moved around and all the things going on. He you know he's got to put his name in a dotted line and. I don't know. I, I just think it's hard to believe that he's so in disingenuous as to be completely ignorant about what's going on. You know, his father is a leech. His father is a complete uh, gold digger. Same thing with Neymar's dad. No doubt about it. And he's the one probably primarily responsible for all of this. But, you know, Leo Messi has he, he he's responsible whether he ignorance or not. Ignorance is not an excuse in the eyes of the law. And he's going to he's going to be eventually facing some punishment um jail time who knows probably not uh but again le le leo you can't you can't argue ignorance when it comes to the law last but not least transfer news of the week uh we have some some names we have some quite familiar names uh moving teams uh finally one of them that's been speculated for a while now for weeks ilkay gundagan the midfielder from dortmund who is uh he's out now uh, for a few months, he's not going to be at the Euros with Germany. The move is finally official. Uh, going from Borussia Dortmund to Manchester City for 27 million euros. He'll be joining Pep Guardiola, now the first marquee signing in the Guardiola era. Also breaking this morning, right before the show. Uh, also going going to Dortmund, Mark Bartra, the young defender from Barcelona, who was kind of set up as being the heir apparent to Puyol and him and uh, Piquet were supposed to be the the center back tandem for years to come. He's gone now for a million, going to Dortmund, who has a big void in uh, center back with the departure of Mats Hummels to Bayern Munich. Is Bartra fit enough to actually replace Hummels? Not at all. Uh, there's a reason why Bar Bartra was let go by Barcelona. He did not live up to expectations. The potential is not there anymore. We'll see how uh, Dortmund proceeds as far as the center back position. Uh, also in Germany, uh, going from Hanover to Leicester City, the Premier League champions is the goalkeeper Ron Robert Ziller. Hanover uh, just got relegated to the second Bundesliga. He now go he now goes to Leicester for Claudio Ranieri to play Champions League and defend the title. Uh, another goalkeeper on the move, Allison, the Brazilian from Internacional in Brazil. Going to Roma for seven and a half million, and interesting because the Allison was rated about three and a half to four million. Uh, competition for for Chesney, perhaps at the very least, but I think Allison, very young player still, great potential. Uh, perhaps you know Chesney is not gonna be the goalkeeper of the future in Roma. Uh, and last but not least, uh, the news that that came out also from Barcelona. Dani Alves is leaving. Uh, he uh, opted out of his contract at Camp Nou. He has confirmed that he he's departing Barcelona. Uh, he's a rival place. Not confirmed yet. Lots of speculation of Juventus. Very, very interesting in signing him as a free agent. Uh, but nothing's been confirmed. Who knows what's going to happen uh, with Dani Alves. Uh, Juventus might be the location. They did it before with Patrice Evra and several others. So... We'll stay tuned to see where the right back 
goes. And after this transfer news, we're going to take our first break in this uh, shortened version of 90 Minutes in Football. And when we come back, we're going to talk Champions League. We had the final last weekend uh, and a new champion again uh, in Europe. So stay tuned. Uh, you're listening to 90 Minutes in Football right here on Radio the Paul Sports, the student voice of the Blue Demons. Thanks for asking, but I'd rather not send you nude pictures. I'm camera shy. I already said no. It's against my religion. I'm giving my dog a bath. You can have pictures of that. Pressure gives me hives. Under my clothes, I'm a robot. Hold on, let me ask my mom. Sorry, my webcam is broken. I'm worried they'll get passed around school. Unfortunately, I just had my clothes surgically attached to my body. If they got out, I might never be president. I'm already naked, under my clothes. Not even if you were all three Jonas Brothers. I have a rash. I have nudophobia. I have lizard skin. The more you ask, the less I want to. You're not the boss of me. Nudity makes me vomit. I'm a vampire, so I don't show up in pictures anyways. Your badgering has really killed the mood. When someone is pressuring you to do something you don't want to, how many ways can you say no before they get the message? Let us know at that'snotcool.com. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by feedthepig.org. Well, I finally did it. I improved my credit score. You're kidding, right? Uh, no. How are we supposed to be the bad boys of electrosynth pop if you're out there being responsible? The band is about to be discovered. This is our year. Uh, yeah, you've been saying that for a while now. You think anyone in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was worried about their credit score? I never really thought that Of we were... course they weren't. Rock stars aren't supposed to think about that kind of stuff. We're supposed to think about how many guitars we've smashed, write aggressively sensitive power ballads, start questionable fashion trends, tragically break up and blame creative differences. All right, all right, just... I thought maybe it was time to take control of my finances, you know? Start using a budget. Get out of debt. Set some goals. A budget? Debt? Set some goals? Listen, I knew that we'd have our creative differences, but I was hoping they'd involve a little more scandal. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Blue Demon Weekly is your home for updates and analysis of the DePaul Blue Demons. Join host Eli Hershkovich every Wednesday from 5.30 to 7 Central Time for the latest on the Blue Demons and their opponents, only on Red DePaul Sports, the student voice of the Blue Demons. And there you heard it, the call from Manolo Lama from Cadena Cope in Spain, calling the triumph 
of Real Madrid, your new UEFA Champions League champions, uh, defeating Atletico Madrid in uh, San Siro in Milan on penalty kicks, 1-1 in regulation, 5-3 in the penalty shootout. Uh, that was the call of uh, Cristiano Ronaldo's final penalty kick, the one that sealed the victory for the Blancos, the undecima, the 11th Champions League, an amazing, amazing amount for the Blancos as they continue to reign historically in Europe's top tournament. Uh, Real Madrid, again, won the tournament uh, in a game that uh, wasn't a complete spectacle. The first half was a little rough. Uh, we did have the opening goal uh, by Sergio Ramos, who did it again, scoring, uh, scoring against Atletico in the Champions League final. Uh, the second half was a little... A little more intense. Atlético came out swinging, obviously looking to equalize and take the lead. Um, overtime, extra time, very sloppy. Uh, players clearly exhausted, especially Real Madrid players. And uh, the penalty kicks that, uh, curiously, Real Madrid all kicked basically to the same spot, the left side of, of uh, Jan Oblak. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but uh, let's talk about, a little bit about the game. Uh, the... Formation for Zinedine Zidane, no surprise. Uh, it's uh, exactly the formation we had mentioned last week with Ryan and Zach. Uh, Navas was on goal. Danilo, Pepe, Ramos, and Marcelo, the back four. Uh, Casemiro as a defensive mid. Ma Luka Modric, Tony Cross, Gareth Bale, Ronaldo, and Karim Benzema at the front. Uh, the surprise was Atletico's starting 11. Uh, we are, we had the argument about the, the midfield line, but... The surprise came on the back line. Stefan Savic actually started alongside Diego Godin in place of Jose Maria Jimenez, the Uruguayan defender. Uh, he was the one who stepped up. Uh, definitely a, a surprise. I, I thought that Jimenez and Godin formed a pretty formidable partnership. Uh, Savic provided a little more uh, length, a little more height, physical tools. I would say that Jimenez, I think that would be the argument that Simeone was trying to make with, with this substitution. Uh, the midfield four turned out to be that four that I was talking about last week uh, of looking to be more of the defensive support and counterattack uh, back four that they featured in the games against Barcelona and Bayern Munich. Saul, Gabi, uh, alongside Augusto Fernandez and Coque as the false seven on the left side. And up, fr up front, of course, Fernando Torres and Antoine Griezmann, who uh, couldn't be the hero this time. He missed that penalty kick in the first half um, uh, rocketing the ball against the the crossbar unfortunately for the Frenchmen who have gotten Atletico out of uh, many a trouble this season again let's remember that goal he scored in Munich uh, against Manuel Neuer that got them basically to this game Atletico showed a lack of, of solidity I was very surprised because we, we kind of figured that Atletico was going to come out and be compact. That's what they do, but especially in this game, they were going to give up the ball completely to Real Madrid, let them handle it, and do exactly what they do best, especially against teams like Madrid and Barcelona, which is uh, close, close the lines, be very compact. Everybody, all 11, the forwards come back and pressure midfielders and go from there and counterattack with the speed of Griezmann, the effectiveness of Torres, and the passing of Coque and Saul in support. But what happened is that uh, Zidane threw a monkey wrench 
I, I can actually sit here and say that Zinedine Zidane got one on, on Diego Simeone tactically because we figured Casemiro was going to be defensive mid, staying in the back, playing between the, the two center backs and simply serve as support in the attack. Not the case at all. Casemiro was very, very free-flowing around the midfield. He got all the way, even almost playing like a number 10. He got some shots in and almost like threw off the system as far as coverage for Simeone. We saw Torres and Griezmann were not very actively marking Casemiro and cutting off his circuit. Same thing with Tony Cross and Modric. Very similar to to the, the break that Real Madrid got against, against Man City, where... Uh, where Modric and Kroos get a lot of room to operate, and that's how that's how they they made that that uh, difference against City. Same thing here. It was Casemiro who kind of threw off the your typical Simeone marking, and he was free flowing. What that what happened with that is that the forwards were playing way too deep for Real Madrid block advances through the midfield. Therefore. A lot of spaces opened up, like I said, in the midfield. Torres and Griezmann were way up high. The defenders were way deep. You saw a big gap that caused the midfielders for Atletico to cover a lot of space. And a lot of space is what Gareth Bale had. Very active, I think, all game. The fact that he went to extra time kind of favored him because we know he's a physically, he's a physical a beast as far as speed and endurance. We saw a lot of cut-ins from Bale. Cristiano, he attempted it, but he was he was not the Cristiano we knew. I think the the injury that he had at practice the other day, I think it's it was still there because he wasn't he, Cristiano was not active, was not quick. He didn't have the same uh, acceleration that we know of Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, Benzema also moved around very freely around that that midfield area that Atletico was giving up in the first half. And it was in one of those advances by Casemiro that caused the, the foul that eventually uh, ended up in the first goal, a cross by uh, Tony Cross, uh, Casemiro with a flick, and Ramos punching it in right in the face of Jan of Oblak. Second half, Atletico uh, came out fighting back. Uh, they were obviously more in possession of the ball, more aggressively seeking all 11 players, more uniform in their movements now. We saw what should have been done in the first half. All 11 moving up and, and down with the same distance in between the lines. We saw that more in the second half. Uh, Felipe Luis was very, very key when it came to the comeback that Atletico was brewing in that half. A lot of space, a lot of passes. Um, I'm sorry, yeah, a lot of passes and crosses from Felipe Luis. And a lot of balls in the Griezmann who had a couple of shots to, to, to tie it and then win it in the second half. Uh, but eventually, Atletico ended up tying it uh, with another another penalty kick. Imagine if Griezmann had scored that first one. Man, we would we would have been talking about something completely different. Um, and it was uh, uh, it was uh, Yannick Carrasco who scored the equalizer for uh, Atletico. One-one uh, in regulation. Zinedine Zidane in a I think a, a big big mistake that it it ended up not costing him. But man, if if Atletico wins, we'd be talking about this now. Using all all three substitutions before the end of regulation. I mean, he'd have to have known that the game was probably heading to extra time. The teams looked tired. 
Uh, players were injured. He took out Tony Cross. He took out Benzema in favor of Lucas Vasquez, who had a solid game and could have won it at extra time. Uh, Danny Carvajal suffered his injury, unfortunately, because he's going to be out of the Euros as well in came Danilo. Uh, but a very risky move uh, by Zinedine Zidane. At the end, like I said, Real Madrid pre- prevailed, perhaps with some luck. Uh, Jan Oblak looked very, very hesitant at the, in the box, in, the, in goal, in the penalty kicks. Real Madrid scored all, 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 all five of their shots. And now Real Madrid, in an, I think, an unlikely run at the end of the, of the season, ending up crowned King of Europe's Kings of Europe, I should say, once again. Um, another disappointment for Atletico. Simeone said it was uh, it was a fiasco. It was a failure. The fact that they came away with no silverware at all this season. Uh, we're going to address both teams in the transfer window spectacular when it comes next week. Uh, but for now, uh, Real Madrid can go into the offseason once again. Champions League winners. We're going to take our second break. When we come back, our final talk about the Euro 2016, which starts next week. My predictions, who's going to come out of every group, who are the favorites, dark horses, who's going to ultimately win. This is 90 Minutes in Football on Radio The Pulse Sports, the student voice of the Blue Demons. Biking in Chicago is more than just a mode of transportation. It's a lifestyle. It's convenient, affordable, and with 13,000 bike racks, parking is never a problem. But with every reward comes a sidecar of risk. In Chicago, over 1,700 cyclists a year are killed or injured in bike accidents involving motor vehicles. Bike safety is simple. First, become familiar with Chicago bike laws. Know your hand signals and when to use them. Love your brain. Get a bike helmet that fits your noggin. And deck it out with a headlamp and some reflective gear for riding at night. Bike at least three to four feet away from parked cars to avoid being struck by a car door being opened. Motorists can do their part, too, by checking their side view mirrors for bike traffic before exiting their vehicle. Most importantly, remember that we're sharing the road. Looking out for both ourselves and each other is the only way to keep Chicago's roads safe, no matter what your wheels look like. For more information on bike safety in Chicago, visit www.chicagobikes.org. This public service announcement was brought to you by Radio DePaul, Chicago's college connection. Only seven days, seven days, ladies and gentlemen, until Euro 2016 kicks off in France. And we've previewed all the groups. Uh, so what uh, we're going to do today, we're going to make, or I'm going to make at least, uh, my final calls, the final predictions beyond the group stage uh, for uh, Europe's uh, premier national tournament. So just as a reminder, Group A goes with the host France, Romania, Switzerland, and Albania. Group B with England, Russia, Wales, and Slovakia. Group C comprised of Germany, world champions, Ukraine, Poland, and Northern Ireland. Group D with Spain, the defending European champions, Czech Republic, Turkey, Croatia. Group E with Belgium, Italy, Ireland, and Sweden. And finally, Group F, Portugal, Iceland, Austria, and Hungary. So like I said, we talked about the groups. We've talked about uh, how each team is coming in and who is looking to advance. Um, I think from Group A, uh, France, definitely the host, uh, one of the big favorites. They're called to be, I think, win the group at least. Uh, of the other, of Group B, I would go, I would go with England. I think they're, they're in, in the up and up, and I think that they're 
superior. They're very superior to the other three teams in the group. Group C, Germany. Uh, Germany, they're going to come in looking to to win the European tournament that's been elusive since '96. In Group D, uh, I'm still I'm going to stick with Spain. I've seen a lot of uh, uh, positive things in the friendly matches that they've had, despite the lack of a, a bona fide center forward. I think Alvaro Morata is going to handle that role uh, very well and fit in uh, very well with uh, Del Bosque's uh, Tiki Taka system. In Group E, I'm going to with Belgium. I think Belgium is going to come out of this group in first place. Uh, we talked about it last week in depth. A lot, lot of talent, especially in the front lines. And Group F is Portugal. Uh, the, the difference between Portugal and the other three teams is abysmal. They should have no trouble advancing as the top teams. Now for the, re- the remaining teams that, are, that I think are going to advance, um, the second place teams also advance in each group. Uh, group A, uh, I, uh, I'm going to lean towards Switzerland. I think uh, in terms of names... And in terms of form, uh, Switzerland, superior to me than Albania and Romania. But I think it's going to be very close. It's not going to be an easy route for Switzerland. In Group B, I'm going to go with Wales. I'm going to go with Wales because uh, I think something that goes in their favor is the fact that this team's been playing well for a while in very consistent starting 11. Gareth Bale, when he's on in this particular team, he can carry the team. I think Gareth Bale can carry this team to a second place in Group B. In Group C, I'm going to go with Poland. The firepower of uh, Robert Lewandowski and a very good supporting cast, especially key players on defense, Krychowiak, Piszczek, Blasikowski. They can, Poland's a team that can take that leap forward and make some noise. In Group D, going with Spain, I'm going to go with Croatia. Uh, same thing, uh, great playmakers in the midfield uh, to feed balls to Mario Mandzukic. And have them going in Group D. In Group E, um, I'm going with Swi- with Sweden. I think Slatan, Slatan is is one of those players that appears in tournaments like this. We saw it in 2008. We saw it in two, uh, 2012. Slatan uh, is the offense, and Slatan can win you games, and that's how they made it to this tournament as well. So I think Sweden's going to surprise and and upend Italy and Ireland for the second place behind Belgium. And in, in Group F, I'm going to go with Austria. Austria is one of the big surprises in Europe. Phenomenal qualifying campaign. And a very underrated, uh, talented team led by David Alaba in the midfield. I'm going to with Austria to go to Portugal, which uh, that leaves four teams for the uh, remaining spots. The top, or I'm sorry, I should say two teams. Top two teams, uh, the top two third place teams uh, to choose from. I Group D has to have one of these. So either Czech Republic or Turkey. I'm going to go with Turkey. I'm going to go with Turkey uh, with the talent that they have. And, um, man, the, uh, see, that the, it, it, it's tough. It's a tough choice. Uh, Italy, you know, am I going to leave Italy out of the Euro completely in the first round? Uh, I'm, I'm not ready to. I, I don't think I'm going to be ready to, to, uh, to just uh, kill them in the first round. I have two more teams to choose from. Uh, Romania, watch out for Romania. I think they can get one of those third-place spots as well. As Russia now I know I've said it on this show I don't trust Russia great talented teams they've had in many a tournaments they never ever come through but I think they will in this tournament I think that they've they've been kind of turning a corner and I can see Russia very narrowly perhaps by I mean goal difference something crazy like that getting that um, that final third uh, best best third place spot 
As far as the favorites, there's no denying France a favorite. They're the home team. They're deep, very, very deep in talent. They, Even though they lost uh, Lasana Diara to injury this week, who do they call up? Morgan Schneiderlin. Not the best season at United, but very, very serviceable defensive midfielder. Very deep team, especially up front. Um, Germany, obviously. Again, depth. Despite the, the lack of uh, solid right back and questions on defense, Germany, they just won the World Cup, and the, basically the same team is going to be here in France for the Euros. I'm going to throw Spain in because they are the defending champions. And despite what happened in Brazil, I think Spain is going to come in looking to erase that that image that they left in Brazil uh, in favor of, of what Spain truly is, which is they've been the best team in the world. And uh, now, probably up, up until... Up until Brazil, I think they're you have to consider them a favorite. From then, uh, dark horses. Obviously, everyone's favorite Cinderella is Belgium. Belgium, uh, are they poised to take that next step and be contenders in this tournament? I, I think they are. I think um, they've gained from the experience in Brazil, where they were very close to eliminating Argentina, who ended up being the the runner up. I, Belgium, again, offensive firepower galore. And defense is something that only a few teams say they're actually they're actually enjoying to have a good defense. Defense is an Achilles heel for most teams, I would say, in the Euros. Also, a dark horse Poland. Again, the firepower of Lewandowski and also some names that are, are coming up uh, to support him. Another dark horse, England. England, again, great form and... They have now a, 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 a wider, I'll say, wider pool of players who can contribute. Portugal is always a dark horse because of Cristiano. And the question always remains, is he going to have a, a supporting cast? They have a crop of young midfielders looking to be making an impact in this Euro. Watch out for them. For them, especially to provide, again, support for Cristiano. So Cristiano doesn't have to do all the offense like it usually happens. I mentioned Austria. I would put him in the Dark Horse conversation again. Nine wins, one draw in qualifying. Kept that amazing form through the friendlies. Give Austria a lot of attention. They can throw they can throw fits at a lot of these favorite teams. Last but not least, Croatia. Talent and talent and talent. If they if you give them possession of the ball with Modric, Kovacic, Perisic, Rakitic. Mantukic up front, they can wreak havoc when it comes to offensively. At the end, I'm gonna my final two, Germany and France. I think that they're the top two teams coming into the tournament. And at Saint Denis, July 10th, I'm going to go with France. I think France is gonna win the tournament. I think France is going to get their first Euro since 2000, playing. Not only for their football success, but let's not forget that the Euro has been in question as far as France hosting it because of the terrorist attacks that happened uh, last year in November and the the constant security threats happening in the country. So this is uh, more than just what's happened on the pitch. This is more about national pride, and I think that France is going to ride that wave, and with the talent that they have, all, all, uh, all across the field, I think France is going to up in Germany 
getting revenge from Germany eliminating them in the quarterfinals of the World Cup. And again, France um, getting back to Euro glory July 10th in Saint-Denis, probably a very, very emotional scene as France celebrates a tournament that was all theirs. That was the Euro preview on my end. I will, I'll get the predictions of the of the of my two colleagues next week, see what they think who's going to win the Euros. Uh, but in the meantime, we'll go to our final break. One more break, into uh, and then we'll head on into the final stretch of, of the show. When we come back, we're going to talk Copa America. It starts tonight in Santa Clara. And very, uh, Julian Klisman went out on a limb and said that this tournament has a higher level of play than the Euros. Bold statement. We'll talk about it when we come back. You're listening to 90 Minutes in Football, the express version. On Red of the Pulse Sports, the student voice of the Blue Demons. Today in school, I learned a lot. In chemistry, I learned that no one likes me. In English, I learned that I'm disgusting. And in physics, I learned that I'm a loser. Today in school, I learned that I'm ugly and useless. And in gym, I learned that I'm pathetic and a joke. In history, I learned that I'm trapped. Today in school, I learned that I have no friends. In English, I learned that I make people sick. And at lunch, I learned that I sit on my own because I smell. In chemistry, I learned that no one In biology, I learned that I'm fat and stupid. And in math, I learned that I'm trash. The only thing I didn't learn in school today... The only thing I didn't learn today... The only thing I didn't learn... Is why no one ever helps. Kids witness bullying every day. They want to help, but they don't know how. Teach them how to stop bullying and be more than a bystander at stopbullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. that sound indicates that Copa America is officially here and it is indeed here because tonight is the inaugural game of the Copa America Centenario 100 years let's not let's remember that this is not your typical calendar every four year Copa America that was last year in Chile which uh, the host team ended up winning this is more of a commemorative Copa America to celebrate 100 years of the oldest tournament uh, oldest international tournament at least in football history it's celebrated here in the u.s it's being expanded from 12 teams to 16 teams with more teams from the CONCACAF joining in let's go through the groups really quick group a with usa who's the host team uh, colombia costa rica and paraguay group b with brazil ecuador haiti who qualified and peru group c with mexico uruguay Jamaica and Venezuela, Group D with Panama, Bolivia, Argentina, and the defending champions, Chile. With that being said, uh, tonight is the first game. It is in Santa Clara. USA will face Colombia in the, the first game. Uh, one thing about the Copa America is that we had a myriad of injuries uh, with, through all teams. I mean, famously, we, we, do, we saw with Brazil. Brazil lost um, Douglas Costa to injury. They replaced him with Kaká. Now Kaká got injured this week. Ganso is going to step in his place. Uh, Lucas Biglia and Pablo Zabaleta are going to be out for Argentina. Josie Altidor is going to be out for the U.S. Uh, Colombia didn't call Falcao or Jackson Martinez or Teo Gutierrez. 
uh, Freddy Guarín, a lot of the core players from the World Cup. Uh, Ecuador lost their top scorer, uh, Felipe Caicedo, to injury. Uh, Uruguay is going to be without Luis Suarez. Let's not forget to get injured in the Copa del Rey final. He's going to be out. He might not even play in the tournament. He is with the team. But again, pending uh, the recovery time, he may or may not be in the tournament. Costa Rica lost Carlos Navas, their goalkeeper and their standard bearer. Very, very key loss for the Ticos. And uh, we have also teams that didn't bring in all their stars. Brazil is not bringing in Neymar. Uh, Venezuela in turmoil, political turmoil within the team. A new new manager, the old manager San Vicente, forced to resign after a player's massively uh, renounced from the Venezuelan team if San Vicente stayed. And they've had an awful qualifying campaign because of it. Bolivia also missing basically all their key players and uh, Julio Valdivieso playing for his job at this uh, Copa America. So let's go now into in depth into the groups. Um, we have four groups. So the top two teams will qualify for the Coral Finals. Uh, group A, uh, U- U.S. and Colombia, I think, are the teams called to advance. Uh, Costa Rica, again, with the loss to Cato Navas, now in, in very, very rough waters. Not underestimate them, though. Again, remember what they did in Brazil? They're a very dangerous team. Colombia, and I'm not saying this just because I'm Colombian, but Colombia, on paper, they're the favorites to win the group. They should advance. They should win the group. I think the second place, I think it's going to come down to to U.S. and Paraguay. Paraguay has been has been uh, in 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 a uh, rising form. They've had a, a rough generational transition after the 2010 World Cup in South Africa, but they've now seemed to find a a crop of players uh, lately in qualifying. The last two matches that they had again in the qualifying, again that match against Brazil that they drew, important. A very good indication that Paraguay is capable and is ready. And in Copa America tournaments like this, Paraguay always dangerous. They made it all the way to the semifinal again in Chile. They had an amazing comeback against Argentina, playing in their style like they always do. You kind of like what Leicester plays, counterattack and defend until the end. That's what Paraguay does. So I I would say of those, Colombia goes. And U.S. is gonna go uh, because they do have they do have some talent. Again, a lot of inconsistency, but I think as a home team, they're gonna be called to events. They're gonna do it. Uh, Group B, Brazil favorite by far. Uh, Ecuador had a hot start in qualifying, but has kind of uh, plateaued lately. Haiti has nothing to offer. Peru, a team that also without all of its stars, nothing to play for here for Peru. Brazil and Ecuador should advance relatively handily. Group C, a humongous gap between Mexico and Uruguay and Jamaica, Jamaica and Venezuela. No doubt, I think Mexico and Uruguay, only thing to fight out for, first place. We'll see what happens. They face each other uh, on Monday right away. And Group D, again, same thing, even a bigger abysmal difference. Argentina and Chile are going to advance. Panama and Bolivia, no threat whatsoever. Uh, I, I think... My favorite for the tournament, I'm going to go with Argentina. Argentina came in with all its firepower. Leo Messi is going to be here. Aguero, Higuain coming off an unbelievable season in Napoli. Mascherano, all of them, they're all going to be here. Argentina's going all in 
to win this tournament, they had a huge heartbreak. Following another heartbreak, they, they lost that World Cup against Germany in overtime. Then they proceeded the next year to lose the Copa America in penalty kicks. So Argentina is coming off of two very, very, very heartbreaking losses. And in the midst of a 23-year title drought, they are here to take the title. And I think ultimately they are the favorites. Chile is a favorite because they're the defending champions. Is not, I don't think they're as good in in as good form as they were in Chile when they hosted and won last year. They have a new coach. Juan Antonio Pitts is the coach after the the departure of, of Jorge Sampaoli. We'll see how that plays out in, in a, a situation like uh, Copa America. Colombia is another team that's called to be a protagonist. Again, they very, very disappointing Copa America last year. Looking to bounce back with a, a team that's in renovation. Not the same names that we're kind of used to. James will be there leading the team. Carlos Baca is going to be expected to provide the, the scoring in forward. David Ospina is still there. Uh, but a lot of uh, new blood coming in for the Colombian team. Brazil, as always, favorite. But a, mi- a mixed team and a lot, lot of doubts about the level and the style of play uh, shown by Dunga's squad. Mexico, undefeated in the last eight games since uh, Juan Carlos Osorio, the Colombian, took over for Mexico. Eight games undefeated without receiving a single goal. They're coming in rolling fast to this tournament. I think in those teams that I mentioned... Um, oh, no, I'm sorry, no. Let me add one more. It's about half the field, I know, but Uruguay. Uruguay, you never count them out. Even with Suarez being out, Cavani's still there. And they have a really strong team. Godin, Jimenez, Muslera in goal. They're going to they're gonna be fighting it out at least. They're going to give you a fight. Uruguay always gives you a fight no matter what, and they usually prevail. Ultimately, Argentina, I think, is going to take away the Copa America. Like I said, they're hungry for revenge. They're hungry for a title. Leo Messi said he would exchange anything to win a World Cup with Argentina. And I would even extend that to saying he would give anything to win a title with Argentina. And I think this is a great opportunity, again, with a watered-down vision of Brazil, with Chile that is, is has lost a step or two, uh, Colombia that has a, a lot of doubts still, uh, Uruguay without Suarez. I think this is prime scenario for Argentina to finally win the elusive trophy. Again, tonight, USA against Colombia, 8.30 p.m. from Santa Clara. You can en- enjoy uh, the uh, Copa America on Univision in Spanish. And uh, with that being said, we have about five minutes le- left, like I, me- like I mentioned at the top of the show. Um, this is an, an abridged version. Uh, we're going to end it at 4 o'clock uh, before we end it. Uh, again, uh, next week, uh, probably our final show here on Rated the Pulse Sports. Uh, but as always, don't forget that we do have the podcast. It's on iTunes, on Stitcher Radio. You can also listen to us on SoundCloud. Uh, stay tuned. Um, Zach will be back before he graduates. Ryan is going to be out again as he gets ready to move out of Chicago. Uh, but with that being said, that's it for our show. No picks because the guys aren't here. So what's the point of me picking against myself? It's not really fair. I mean, I do want to come back. I'm down seven points from Ryan. And I could have easily just picked my own games and probably I probably still bomb let's just be honest I even if I it was just me against no one I I probably would wouldn't do well at all 
I can't. This opportunity would not serve me well at all. So we're saving picks of the week for next week. Uh, next week, Euro begins. Uh, Copa America is going to be well underway. No more club uh, soccer or club competition uh, with Champions League being over. But transfer window is going to be in full force because the, the clubs are no longer in competition, like I said. Transfer window expected to be to pick back up as is international play as we have Euro and Copa America. With that being said, that's our show for this week. Um, don't forget that we do have our daily sports show, Sports Flash, Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. Central Time. Sports Flash featured local and national sports headlines with an emphasis on the Pulse athletic teams. Sports Flash brought to you by Rid of the Pulse Sports, the student voice of the Blue Demons. Thank you so much for listening each and every week. Again, listen to us uh, next week, 3 to 4.30 right here on Radio The Pulse Sports, RadioThePulseSports.com, our radio app, uh, Stitcher Radio. Download our podcast. going to go up right after this show on iTunes for free. If you download on iTunes, please subscribe. Leave us a review. Also on Stitcher Radio, you can find it there and on SoundCloud. Again, next week, final show here on Radio The Pulse uh, Sports. Stay tuned as we come back and continue talking about the best in the beautiful world of football. Thank you all for listening. See you next week.